Gilza and Biz. Today is Monday, which means we're bringing you Money Confessions, a weekly series where you tell us your deepest, darkest money secrets or hot takes. You're joined today by Sim. I am so excited to be here. We're going to do Money Confessions as an individual segment just for a little while, and then we'll get back to bouncing off ideas with other co-hosts. I am so excited. Sonia, as you know or may not have heard, is venturing into her next chapter. We are so excited for her, but it does mean that she is going all in. And so her time with Sticky Money Stories and Tuesday episodes has unfortunately come to an end, which is very, very sad. But today's Sticky Money Story is, how do I say this? I am worried. I am excited. I'm scared. I I don't want to be offensive. So I'm just going to go straight into it. I'm going to read it to you and then I'm going to let you know my thoughts. Now, before we get into this week's episode, we want to thank our season sponsor, RentApp, the ultimate tool for renters who won't let rent day ruin their vibe. RentApp rescues you from the rent paying chaos. No more ancient ATMs, no more check mailing, no more juggling multiple apps. With RentApp, it's hassle-free, straightforward, and guess what? There are no hidden fees or pesky weekly limits. But RentApp isn't just about paying rent. It's your ticket to a brighter financial future too. There's even an option to report rent payments to boost your credit score, making home ownership more achievable. That's a huge money one. For our GTI listeners, we've got an exclusive deal. Using our referral link in the episode description, you get $50 cash back on your first rent payment. Don't wait for rent day dread. Download rent.app on the App Store and follow at rentapp on Instagram and Twitter. Check out the referral link in the description and make rent a breeze. Dear girls and best. My boyfriend and I are in our late 20s slash early 30s and have been together for five years, living together for three. I came from a low-income household and grew up with an extremely money-scarcity mindset, which I've worked a lot out in the last few years. My boyfriend, on the other hand, came from an upper-middle-class background and has never worried about money. Today, we both have well-paying jobs, we keep our finances separate, and we comfortably live below our means. We use a detailed spreadsheet to track our shared household expenses. We're a 50-50 team and have agreed that all payments are to be logged into the spreadsheet to determine who owes the other person and how much by the end of the month. I have a Formula One level reaction time when it comes to logging my transactions. He's snail mail at best. The spreadsheet is online and accessible to both of us. I even made it mobile friendly so he can do it on his phone if he preferred. I remind him all the time and even volunteer to record his transactions for him. The problem is that during the last three years, most of the time, I don't know how much I actually owed him because he doesn't keep up with his entries. He would procrastinate for months and suddenly it would turn out that I owed him thousands more than I thought. I'm not exaggerating, this has actually happened a few times, and each incident I have made it very clear why and how being time conscious with our finances is beneficial for both of us. And yes, I explained my personal finance goals and his lateness and how it negatively affects me. 
To prevent debt building routines this year, I've put my foot down by approaching it differently. Instead of waiting on him, I just settle up whatever is recorded by the end of the month, regardless of if he's put in his own things. I do give him an additional full month after to update, but after that, I consider the original month in question quote-unquote closed. He's made a few complaints about this, saying that I'm trying to take away by stealing money, but to me, if it was important to him in the first place, he would have taken it seriously. Call it a form of lazy tax. Here's the final kicker. During these grace period moments, I actually chase him down to pay him so I can sleep without debt on my mind. I am literally trying to give him more money than the spreadsheet statements, and yet he still doesn't seem bothered until I tell him X month is officially closed. Ladies, I feel like I've exhausted all methods of accommodation. I am taking my finances more seriously than ever, and I can only keep track of what I know in order to keep my goals in line. One thing I love more than spreadsheets is meeting all of my monthly savings and investing goals first, and if that means I don't always have cash on hand and pay him back on his schedule, he should have taken my generous deadlines seriously. Remember, this is a system we both agreed to. Anyway, I would like to know what you would do in my situation. What additional approaches do you suggest for me to successfully manage household finances with my partner? What other methods would you consider when sharing expenses while prioritizing your personal finance security? I cannot wait to hear your thoughts and the feedback from the community. Thank you. Oh my goodness, I feel like I said I am overwhelmed, I'm scared, I am nervous. Before we get into how we're going to solve this, I wanted to take a second to talk about the differences of growing up with money and the differences of growing up without, because this has been so common. We see it a lot in our money confessionists, and we've noticed it. I mean, some of my friends and family have gone through this. Some of my closest friends are in these situations. It's very unlikely. In fact, it's almost extremely rare to find someone that has grown up with the exact same money system as you, the exact same wealth as you, there's going to be differences. And that is just to be expected. And with differences, that means understanding that we just don't always do things the same way, which is really hard. Coming from a background where you've come from a low income household, you've had a scarcity mindset. And even though you have a well-paying job now, it's very clear that it is so important for you to not have debt over your head. You want to make sure you always have enough. Your saving goals are so important to you because this is you being in control and you don't have financial control as a child because you were a child. You did not get to make goals for the family income and household. And I wonder how much of this is you trying to say, well, I couldn't do it then, but now I am in charge of my destiny. And that is fantastic because you are saying, whatever is in my ability to manage, I will manage that money. I will make that spreadsheet. I know where every single dollar is coming. I know where every single dollar is going and I am in control. And being in control means having financial freedom and it's going to help me with my scarcity mindset. So I can imagine that that is really important and it's such a common way that you know you and I have both grown up. Now, if we put ourselves in your partner's shoes, I love how you said you're in your late 20s slash early 30s. Like there's only two of you. You could have given 
the ages, but it, it's not too important. Your partner, on the other hand, as you've said, you've been living together for three years, been together for five years. And as someone that has come from an upper middle class background, has never had to worry about money, they're not going to come from that same mindset of everything needs to be tracked because I'm going to make a few assumptions here. Money was in abundance. It was not a concern of, you know, will money come in? Could the tap be turned off? Is a huge worry that people from low income backgrounds have. We have this thought or belief of like, well, I've accumulated all of this wealth. I remember still when I made my first million, I still couldn't quite relax because I was just thinking, well, what if the tap turns off tomorrow? I can't spend any of this because who knows if my company, you know, in all their different ways will make this money for me. So I'm just going to hold. That was really interesting. And yet when you meet someone that has not had to grow up with that, the tap doesn't turn off for them. They believe that money will come in. And if it doesn't come in, they believe that they have the skills and the knowledge and the experience and the networks and all these things behind them. And obviously the safety net that money will come one way or the other. And so there is more of a abundance mindset around money. There is more of an idea of, well, you know, I don't have to be so reactive to it. And I think when we come from our place, we have such a reactive relationship with money. Something happens with money and we're like straight away, I need to solve it. I need to fix it. I need to record it. For someone else, you know, they spend $20, they spend $200, they might even spend $2,000 and it doesn't have the same like rising cortisol in their blood as it does for us, regardless of the fact that, like you said, you both have well-paying jobs and you both comfortably live below your means. So it sounds like you're both actually really good with money. It doesn't sound like one of you is upset with how much the other person spends, but you want to make sure that you're paying them back and you want to make sure that you don't have this debt over your head. It sounds like you have not been enjoying the way that you are running your system. You've been doing it for the past three years. You've been doing it since you've been living together. I don't love saying this, but I think we have to accept that this person in your life has tried a system that you've both agreed to, and I'm not trying to take away that. I mean, they shouldn't have agreed to it if they couldn't do it, but you've both agreed to it. You've trialed it for three years, and it's not a system that works for you both because they are not putting in their fair share. They are not putting in how much they've spent. And then you are not getting the reward of being able to just pay them, get it off your head and manage your cash flow better. It's affecting your cash flow. It's probably stressing them out that they, you know, when you wake up and you're like, there's that thing I need to do today. And you just spend the whole day. Like I do this constantly. I spend the whole day, like I will be driving and I'm like, I need to send that email. And I will be like at the grocery store and I'll be like, God, I need to send that email today. And then I'll go to my gym and like be on the treadmill and I'll be like, Oh my God, Simran, don't forget to send that email. There is nothing worse. Nothing ruins my day more than knowing I need to do something and being too lazy to do it. Is it anyone else's fault? No, it's mine. I should be the one doing it. Is anyone like holding a gun to my head and saying, you can't do this email? No. How long does the email really take, Simran? Like four minutes, 
three minutes with ChatGPT, fix up a few errors, get rid of the bold text. Like it is not hard to get that one thing done. In your opinion, it is not hard for your partner to just put in what they spend. But there is a difference here, not just in ethics. I'm not, I don't believe that they don't care about your experience or they don't worry about the issue that you're going through. I just think their values around money and how to track money are different to yours. And someone trying something for three years and still not getting it, I think it's worth considering if it's ever going to work. It is like if I tried to ride a bike and I could not get that bike to work after three years, I would not be offended if someone came up to me and said, hey, maybe try walking. Like just, I don't think bikes for you. Maybe just get in a car, Simran. Like you keep falling off this lime scooter. You are just not in a place where biking is your thing right now. And I don't want to come across and say, I think you're doing the wrong thing. You should both just stop giving up on trying to pay each other back. But I think the system is not working. And in our experience with the people that we've worked with, we noticed that most couples actually prefer doing it a different way where they have a joint bank account to share their household expenses. And what you can do instead, it sounds like like you said, you've got a 50-50 system, you've got payments to be logged into the spreadsheet. I would actually have a look at this very detailed spreadsheet that you have, that you have for three years. So you have all these data points and all these sets that you can look through. Go and look at them month by month and determine how much do you both usually spend on household expenses. Let's say that comes down to, I don't know, $2,000 a month, not including rent, or maybe it's a little bit more, a little bit less, depending on, you know, where you live. If it's a high cost living area, a low cost living area might be in the middle of nowhere and it costs you like $800 a month between you both and you're just, you know, frugal humans. That money that you determine, like it's $2,000 a month or $3,000 a month, half it. And now you're going to put $1,000 a month into this joint bank account. He's going to put $1,000 a month into this joint bank account. You're both going to get debit cards for this account. You can have two debit cards for one account. And anything that you need to purchase for household expenses, you're both buying. And you can link that up to like any app that tracks an account. So there are apps like You Need a Budget. I mean, Mint just shut down, Spendy, Pocketsmith. There are so many apps that will automatically, using AI, look at your spending and be like, okay, Walmart, that's probably like household spending. Oh, she went to Target or she went here or he went and got these groceries from this grocery store. So that comes under the food budget. And so you'll have this all tracked for you on your behalf and you can see where you're spending, but you're not owing each other money because you're both just putting in $1,000 each per month or per fortnight into this account. And so now no one's owing each other money. You're just putting money together. You're pulling it and you're spending from this account. That is going to help because you're going to know that you can set aside 
$1,000 a month for cash flow and you're not waiting on someone else. It also helps him because I'll be honest, from what you've told me, this is not a person that is going to suddenly start tracking every dollar. It seems like they don't value that. It seems like they would prefer to you know, have a loose idea. It sounds like they want to have some idea. They obviously use the spreadsheet. They're not saying no. If they couldn't do it, they wouldn't have agreed to it. So they have a responsibility in that space. But I think it is so important to not keep looking for ways of accommodation towards the other person. You are taking your finances more seriously. You are keeping track of your goals. You love your spreadsheets. I completely agree with you, but sometimes it's about finding something that works for both people because this right now sounds like it's working for just one person. And in all honesty, I, I really have to say, if you're living together, you can share a bank account together. Like if you are living together, you are cooking and cleaning together. You are going out on walks together. You are turning up to places together. If you have a shared house, you can have a shared bank account. It is a conversation worth having with your partner. And I actually assume that they might be more excited about doing it that way than trying to fix it in any other way. So let me know what you end up doing. I truly believe you can successfully manage your household finances. There are so many ways that people manage things. And I don't like it when people say, well, you know, do what works for you and there's no right or wrong because it's like, well, what, what works for you? What do you do? So I can get some ideas so I can get the right or wrong. But, you know, in my family, my parents, they have a joint bank account that they pull their money towards and then they have a separate bank account that they have for their own things and they've been married for, you know, almost 30 years and that's just worked for them. I have, I think majority of my friends actually just have a shared bank account. I don't know many people keep a spreadsheet of every purchase with their partner and then settle at the end of the month. It's just too much admin and I hope that you consider shifting the way that you manage your money together. Now, if you have a sticky money story, if you have a money confession, a money secret or a hot take, send them through, email them to us at hello at girlsatinvest.com or send us a DM and you may just be featured in next week's episode. Bye. And as always, to finish off with our disclaimer, Girls That Invest does not provide personalized investing advice for your individual needs. We are not financial advisors. The advice from Girls That Invest exists for education purposes only and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. Advice from Girls That Invest is general in nature and does not consider individual circumstances. Always do your research and please use your due diligence. Alrighty, till next time team. Bye.